May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I wonder if anyone's ever uh, ever thrown a party and, and no one shows up. Do you ever do that? Good night. It's no doubt. That's a rare occurrence, thank God. You know, uh, can you imagine that? I mean, maybe you've had this experience, or not not, not the fact that nobody shows up, but you know, uh, it could be a little frustrating. You know, you, you get everything ready, or you're throwing a party, or a, a little wingding of some sort. You get everything ready. You prepared a lot of food. Get your house cleaned. You know, uh, get everything ready to go, uh, getting supplies and whatnot laid in, and then uh, nobody shows up. Um, you can imagine that, even if you haven't had a first-hand experience of that, it could be a very frustrating thing. Uh, also, you can imagine uh, the joy of having just anybody show up then at that point. You know, it'd be great even if your neighbor came by just you know, asking to borrow the phone directory or something like that, and just knock the door and be, hey, come on in and have some cake. You know, um, it'd, be, it'd be thrilling to have somebody come by at that point. Um, and you know, even complete strangers show up. You might, you might, you might actually suddenly treat them like like best friends. Uh, they're sharing their time with you, enjoying the party that you've prepared. Well, we heard that that story in St. Luke's Gospel today about just that very thing, or a parable, parable that Jesus tells like that. Um, and it's wonderful. Jesus tells his disciples that this fellow, apparently a man of some means, or you know, he has servants, of course, he's a man of some means. He makes this great supper, a great banquet. And he's already sent out invitations, of course, to a lot of people. And then when supper's ready, he sends the servants out to go and get those people in, everybody who has the, the invitations to bring them in. And, of course, they all start to make excuses. Oh, gosh, you know, I've, I've uh, well, gosh, I just, I just bought this piece of land and I have to go check on it. I think that's the lamest excuse. Anyhow, this other fellow says, "Well, you know, I, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I've got to go, got to go work with them. I've got to you know, break them. Got to go prove them." And this other one says, "Well, I've just you know, just gotten married. Apparently, has a lot to do with setting up a household and things." Um, so they all beg out of this particular affair. And the master, of course, says, well, you know, go out and go into the city, you know, go out the streets and find find the folks who are, you know. Who have nothing? You know, find the uh, the poor, bring the maimed, the the, the blind, the, the lame, all of those. Bring them in, and the servants go and do just as he commanded. And still there's room, and so he says, "Well, just go out into the into the hedgerows, you know, out into the, the lanes, the highways. Go out into the roads, essentially. Just go find people and bring them in. We're going to fill up my house." But the, uh, of those folks who had originally, you know. Invited, none of them are going to. None of them are going to come in. So let's just let's fill up the house with everybody you can find out there. It's an interesting parable. I mean, as I said, maybe you can understand the feeling of you know preparing a party and not having anybody show up. Um, it goes well beyond that, though. Of course, it goes well beyond that. There's something more at work here than just preparing a party and not having folks show up. Uh, it would be easy. And I think it, people have done this. It'd be easy to just explain the parable partly within the example of the church, I suppose. That you know, a great banquet is still laid out for us every week. In fact, more than just once a week, a banquet is laid out for us, and it, it's laid out for us at every single celebration of the divine liturgy. And of course, there are still many who are just too busy. You know, the modern world presents far too many, far too many things that we can do that, that would take our time away from us and prevent us from being at the altar with God and being at the altar with 
our brothers and sisters in Christ and being part of the body of Christ. Uh, still, though, there are too many that are too busy. I think there are probably a lot less people these days who are busy working with a new parcel of ground, or probably even less who are working with teams of, of oxen, I suppose. But, you know, people have things to do. And so, too, there's something, if I were just to stop at that level and just go with the example of the church, there's something, perhaps, too, of, of being able to see ourselves in that last group of people that are invited. You know, seeing ourselves as really the ones who've, who've come who are bidden late and are, are the lame, the blind, the poor, the maimed, you know? As we are, for sure, we, we are all in desperate need of the grace of God. I mean, honestly, I think if we're honest, we're all, we recognize our own brokenness. We recognize the places where we really, really need the grace of God in our lives. We are a broken people. If we say we're not, I mean, we're probably fooling ourselves. If we say that we're not hurting somewhere inside, we're probably fooling ourselves. If we admit that we're not hurting others at times, we're fooling ourselves. So we are that group of people that does indeed need, need God each and, every, each and every month, week after week, day after day, hour after hour after hour. We're continually in need of that. And yet, I said it would be easy for me just to stop with that. It would be very easy just to stop and talk about this as a parable of life in the church. But yet we can take this to a much deeper place. And a place, in fact, that the church teaches that our Lord intended when he gave this parable. And to do so, I'm going to drop back just briefly to one of the great fathers of the church, St. Ambrose of Milan. Uh, bishop, priest, and confessor, a doctor of the church, rather. Uh, bishop, confessor, and doctor of the church, St. Ambrose. He lived in the middle of the 4th century. And he said, Holy Father Ambrose said, this is really about the Gentile, the Jew, and the heretic. Let's see where he goes with this. He says, really, you've got these three groups of people who, who deny or who, who are too busy and they make excuses as to why they're not coming the supper that the Lord has prepared for them. He said, really, the, the Gentile's devotion to earthly wealth is that piece of ground that he has to tend to. That one fellow who has the piece of ground that he has to take care of. He said, that's the Gentile who is devoted to earthly wealth. Then there's that other fellow who has the five yoke of oxen. He says, indeed, this is the Jew. This is the Jew's enslavement to the five books of the law, the five books of the Torah, the five books of Moses, five yoke of oxen. It's a yoke that he's encumbered by, enslaved to it, in fact. And he says, finally, that one who says that he has just wedded a wife, he says, well, that's the heretic who has espoused himself to error, has wedded himself to error that keeps him away from the love of God and keeps him away from the banquet. The Gentile, the Jew, the heretic. And if you think about it, gosh... My word, even before the time of Christ, even before his coming, even before his teaching on this parable, indeed that was the case. God loved what he had created. Still does, in fact. But he made that very well known through the prophets and through the writings of Holy Scripture. He made that known that his love was, his love was wide, broad, deep, and open to everybody. But you know, everybody turned away from God's love, didn't they? All the way throughout throughout the record of, of salvation people were turning away from him sadly though if you open up the Bible it's a, in many ways it's a long record of people being unfaithful and turning away from God and a faithful remnant remaining faithful and coming to him and seeking salvation that he in fact does when the time is complete 
bring about. But the Gentiles turned away from him. The Jews turned away. In the time of Christ, the heretics turned away after the establishment of Holy Mother Church. And all this time, all this time, people were turning away. It's like people making excuses as to why they couldn't come to the supper that this fellow had made. But God so loved the world, and he tried. He tried to call all peoples of the earth to himself. The Gentiles rejected him. The Jews rejected him. Now the heretics still reject him. But you see, God's not content to pour out his love and not have others join into his love. We've looked at that the past couple of weeks now, haven't we? From Trinity Sunday and first Sunday after Trinity. As we looked at what, the, what love is within the context of the holy and undivided Trinity. That, that dynamic action verb of love. And that's the thing that keeps that, as we said, that, that dance. That, that holy, that sacred choreography of the Trinity is a, a dance of love. You see. And God wasn't just content to throw a party and have nobody come. He wasn't content just to love for the sake of loving, because that love is turned outward, as well as dwelling within the holy and undivided trinity. That love is then opened up so that all might enter into it. So he wasn't content to do that. So he sent his only begotten Son. And this is the one, really, who calls to the poor, who calls to the maimed, who calls to the blind, who calls to the lame. He's the one who goes into the city streets and the gutters and the alleys, places where those who've been forgotten are he calls to them and still asks them to come to the banquet when others turn away he's the one who comes to those in the lanes in the highways, the alleys the street corners that's the love of God whose love is so broad, so deep that it can't just be turned away from he's not content just to have people turn away from it, indeed he won't he sent his only son to fulfill and make that banquet complete. See, if the ones whom the Father originally called will not come, well, certainly those for whom His Son was sent are going to be welcomed and they're going to be bidden to come to the banquet. Part of our job, of course, as Christians is is to kind of function like those servants, isn't it? To go out and make that, that, that loving invitation of God known. And going to the places where people feel that they're not invited to the feast and inviting them because the love of God bids them come. And we're the messengers of that love. Come. You're bidden to the banquet. He's not going to be satisfied until his, his banquet hall is full. That's the love of our God. Let us pray. O Lord, who never failest to help and govern those whom thou dost bring up in thy steadfast fear and love, keep us, we beseech thee, under the protection of thy good providence, and make us to have a perpetual fear and love of thy holy name. And Lord, our Heavenly Father, we pray that thou mightest fill us with your love, that we might bid others to come to that banquet, we might bid others to come to that holy and sacred table that you have prepared for all those whom you love with such such great depth and such great fervor and for whom you sent your only son Jesus Christ to die for us who with you in the unity of a holy and life-giving spirit lives and reigns ever one God world without end Amen. Amen.